That was a blessing, wasn't it? And uh, I've known the Keeleys for about 24 years, and so I listened to these girls sing when they were growing up, and they were always a blessing to me. And uh, now two of these three are moms, and uh, serving the Lord, that's, a, that's just a huge blessing. Uh, my name is Mark Rasmussen. I'm the Vice President at West Coast Baptist College, where I've served for the last 22 years. And I want to say a couple of things about your church. Uh, I met Brother Dane Keeley when he felt God calling him to go off to Bible college. What year did you arrive at college, Brother Keeley? So I met him in 1994, so that's a long time ago. And immediately, his spirit, his attitude, his character, and I will be quite honest with you, his academics stood out. He was an outstanding student. And uh, for a man who'd been out of school at that time for 13 years, to go back to college is pretty unusual, which says something about his character. His kids were great. Joy was a little bit of trouble, but everybody else was wonderful. I'm just kidding. And uh, we became friends at that time. And I knew him and liked his girls, hearing them sing that type of thing. And to make a long story short, years later, we were talking, and uh, I encouraged him to come out to Lancaster, California, where he served for 12 years. He taught Greek, he taught Bible, and he traveled and preached for us every summer. I'm talking preaching like 60 or 70 churches every summer. And something Brother Keeley and I know more than any of you would know is, folks, God has given you a beautiful building here. I preached in 48 states and over 650 churches. This is a beautiful, beautiful building. I looked through every room yesterday. The auditorium's a great preaching place. The sound's good. The colors are warm. The lights are bright. I like it. It's great. You've got a lot to thank the Lord for. And I know, I know that you folks sacrificed. You bought chairs. They're comfortable, aren't they? How many have realized that chairs are more comfortable than pews? And all God's people said? Yeah, exactly. And they're also a lot more flexible. You can do a lot of things with them. Uh, but you've got a beautiful plant here. It's a beautiful plant. The choir was great today. Brother Kitty did a great job with the choir. I don't know if he's in here now, but he did a great job with that. I did notice one thing the choir needed. You say, why would you say that? More people. And there's some of you out there who ought to be up here. Because that was a blessing. That was a blessing. And help Brother Kitty. His wife told me he needs help. Okay, so just uh, help him. But he does a great job with that. Good song leader, good piano players, good special music. It was all awesome. Now, I'm going to tell you, here he comes now. I'm trying to get you some new choir members, Brother Kitty. I'm trying to help you. I'm going to tell you this. You say, well, we're almost full right now. Praise the Lord. You may not know this, but I'm praying that somebody in this church will go to two services in the morning. Wouldn't that be a great thing? That would be a good problem to have. And you say, how's that going to happen? If everybody here invites their friends, you invite your friends. And I was praying about what to preach on here, and the Lord took my, my heart to this passage. I couldn't get away. And I've, I've got a lot of messages I've written up. I've got a Bible here. This is called a classic note Bible. And what's unique, it looks like a normal Bible, what, what is unique about this Bible, there where it's different, is that in this Bible, every other page of it is blank. And it's so, so I can write notes in it. I've got over 500 outlines in this Bible. So I've got a lot of, a lot of lessons I could choose from. I, I travel every summer, and I don't ever preach the same message, almost never. Because these kids have to hear me every night in the singing groups. So I preach a different message every night. Brother Keeley, by the way, did the same thing. And I was praying, I want to honor the Lord is what I'm doing. I want to encourage my friend, but I want to edify the people. So you know what I want to edify you with this morning? I want you to realize that you can be used by God. You can be used by God. If you have your Bibles, look with me, please, in 1 Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings chapter 17, verse number 8 down to verse 16. 1 Kings 17, and preach about what time do you usually go into the invitation? So I thought, okay, good. First Kings 17, beginning in verse number 8. Here's where we'll go. First Kings 17, beginning in verse number 8. I like to hear the pages of Bible turning. I know some people use their uh, iPads now and their phones, but I just like having the Word of God in my hand. So I just hear those pages turning. First Kings 17, follow along in verse 8. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongs to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. 
So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise. Behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. Wow. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail unto the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did. By the way, that's a good sermon all by itself. She went and did. Trust and obey. Hear the word of God, obey the word of God. She went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he in her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. Let's pray this morning. Lord, I thank you for this great crowd here today. I thank you that the Lord brought the Keelys here some four years ago, I believe, and how you've used and blessed them already. I thank you for faithful people who have served and given and sung and been ushers. I pray you'll bless them for it. I pray that others will join their ranks and serve as well. And Lord, this morning we ask to hear from you. Lord, I acknowledge I need your help in this as in all other things, knowing that every good and perfect gift comes from above. So, Lord, we ask that you will guide. We know you're here with us, Lord, because the Bible says where two or three are gathered together, you're there in the midst. It's good to be with God's people in God's house doing God's work. We love you, Lord. And, Lord, if there's someone here today who does not know for sure they're on their way to heaven, I pray, Lord, they'll settle that today. For the most important decision anyone can ever make is to trust you as their Lord and Savior. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. My wife and I have three children. They are 35, 33, and 25. Our youngest 25-year-old is going to get married in less than two weeks. I'm only nervous because I have to do the wedding. But he's a little younger than his sisters, and you know how some people have their own drummer, say they march to be their own drummer? He has his own orchestra, all right? He just does some unusual things. How many of you have teenagers in your home? Would you raise your hand? You've got a teenager at home? Maybe we can get together over here for a group hug afterwards, all right? But... I learned some things having this boy in my house. I'll never forget a number of years ago, my son came to me and said, Dad, he said, I'd like to have a dog. And we were a very happy, pet-free home, okay? And uh, I said what parents always say in a situation like that, I said, well, I'll think about it. And what that means is not in this millennium, okay? I said, I'll think about it. And so he waited, he came back and said, Dad, he said, I want to have a dog. I said, I'm still thinking about it. But then he did something very duplicitous, deceitful, underhanded, treacherous. He enlisted the aid of his mother. <laughs> and one day my wife walked up to me. She waited until I was in a good mood. She said, sweetheart, when you were growing up, did you ever have a dog? I said, yes, I, I, I was totally oblivious to the fact that I was about to be chopped off at the knees. I said, yes. She said, what was the dog's name? I said, I had a little black dog named Princey. We got it at the grocery store for free. And later on, we had a German shepherd named Lady. And she said, do you like those dogs? Oh, they were great. We had a good time with those dogs. And then she brought down the hammer. Don't you think your son deserves to have a dog? <laughs> what in the world? And then she said this. She says, I found the perfect dog. Now, when you're a preacher's wife, you know what makes it a perfect dog? It's free. Thank you. But can I tell you something now in case you don't know? If you get a free dog, it's only for that brief moment in time. <laughs> it will never again be free, all right? And of course, my son said what all kids say at this time. Don't worry, Dad. If you get a dog, I'll feed it. I'll water it. I'll pick up after it. You know what we call this in our family? The three lies. In Lancaster, it gets very hot. I look out there and see that water dish empty. That would just burn me up. And Proverbs says, take good care of your animals. And I'd go out there and fill that dog dish. And just, Ooh, it torched me. Or I'd go tell him to fill it up. And he'd start the hose running. It's only a dog dish. 
and you leave it, next thing you know, the whole part of that yard's flooded. Oh, that made me mad. I paid for the water, and now it grows weeds. You know, unbelievable. But what I best remember about Mark and that dog, one day I was preaching it down in Banning, California for a giving banquet, just on a Friday night. We are going to go down and come back. I said, hey, I've got some free hotel points. I travel about 110 days a year, so I get some hotel points here and there. I said, I've got a free night. I said, why don't we stand on Palm Desert? Mark can swim. We can just sit out by pool and read. We'll eat at a favorite restaurant down there, a place called P.F. Chang's. And I said, we'll eat there. You like that too. Man up from my own heart. And uh, we, could, we could discuss our nine favorite foods there. And uh, so I said, we'll go to P.F. Chang's. We'll drive home in the afternoon. They, man, my wife and son were excited about it. Well, we were driving, both the girls were busy because they both taught a lot of lessons in our home. At one peak, our girls were teaching over 44 kids piano lessons or guitar or voice in our home. If I hear Claire de Lune or Fruit Elise one more time, I'm going to shoot somebody, I promise you. Oh, my soul. But the thing is, with all those little kids coming in, we had, I built a library in my house. It had a double door. and went out in the backyard where we had a trampoline and a swing set. So a lot of times you have two or three siblings doing lessons, so they, the other ones are out there playing in the backyard. They come in. Well, what you didn't want them to do is to bring some of the dog remains back in with them. You know what I'm saying? And our dog, Roscoe, was a big dog, weighed about 80 pounds. Big dogs leave, big problems. You all with me so far? That's enough information for Sunday morning. So I'm always a more, pick up the backyard, pick up the backyard. Well, we're driving back, and I told my son, I said, now, got to go pick up the backyard. Saturday, my girls, my girls had lessons every day but Sunday. So they're coming on Saturday, and you got to pick it up. He said, yes, sir. Of course, he was a teenager, so that means he forgot it in about one one-thousandth of a second. We got home, and I, I got the mail, and I'm spreading it out on the table. It's two days of mail, and I said, Mark, go pick up after the dog. He said, yes, sir. And all of a sudden, I heard this snapping sound. I turn around. My son is putting on surgical gloves. I'm going, what in the world? Now, when I was a boy, we had a dog. We got a piece of newspaper, a brown paper bag. We called them lunch bags. Throw the droppings in there, throw them all away. Does that make sense to everybody? Very simple. Not today. Well, I'm saying surgical gloves. I immediately thought, what do those gloves cost? Because that's what preachers do. They goes cost it. And I started to get it. Now, we don't have arguments because we're Christians. We have discussions. Like, we don't watch movies. We, like, we watch videos. We don't go to the beach. We go to the shore. You know, that type of thing. So... I, I'm in a situation there where I'm, I, I started getting arguing with him over those gloves. And my wife, by the way, ladies, blessed are the peacekeepers, Matthew chapter 5. She says, sweetheart, it's okay. She either got them for free or at a thrift store. So I stopped caring about them. Well, I went back to reading. I see my son out of the corner of my eye. He's walking behind me and towards the door like this. He looks like a doctor going into surgery. And parents, have you ever had a point in your time when you see something and you realize something is wrong with what you're seeing? And it clicked. And I said what I said to my son times later. I said, hello? He said, sir? I said, by the way, when you say hello to a child like that, that's not a greeting. That means why is your IQ lower than broccoli? Okay, that's what it means. I said, son, I said, where's your bag to put the droppings in? He looks at me and says, I don't use a bag. I said, oh, son, I want you to be a hard worker, but I want you to work smart. I said, without a bag, you have to make multiple trips back and forth to the trash can. Does that make sense to everybody? But then he said it, folks. He said, I don't use the trash can. I said, pray tell. What you do with the dog drop? You just why throw them all over the fence. <laughs> we did not live in the country. We lived in a subdivision on a corner. Both houses that neighbored our backyard had swimming pools. I'm thinking one word, floaters. You know, I'm thinking. I looked at him and started down on my toes coming through that. And I'm, I started to say, what in the world? You know how you say that. And it was starting to come out. I was getting warmed up. I said, what the Lord, I'll never forget him. He's about 12, 13, he says, Dad, 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 Dad. He knew it wasn't looking good. And then he asked me this question. He said, do you think I'm stupid? <laughs> and I wanted to say, oh, it's far beyond that. <laughs> and then he did give me some relief. He said, I don't throw them in the neighbor's yards. He goes, I throw them on the street. 
and he was proud of this. And I asked the question, pray tell, why would you throw the dog drop in the street? He goes, well, I want to save you money. Knowing that's always dear to my heart. I go, save me money. How is that going to save me? He goes, well, don't you pay to empty the trash can? Yes. He goes, a street sweeper goes by once a week and they sweep it up. And he was just proud of that. So whatever problem you have with your kids, I've had worse problems, I promise you. So I don't know always how to handle things with a teenager, but I do know this, that God can use you. Let's look at this passage here this morning. First of all, let me show you the woman that God chose. The woman God chose. As I listen to Brother Kitty, he's got a nice voice, he's a good song leader, good choir leader. I can't do what he can do. Everybody in my family sings, but they, you guys both sing, don't you? Obviously, because I heard you lead singing this morning, but they joy is a little more than musical one. And uh, their kids got, in my family, all three of my kids sing. My, all three of my kids and my wife have sang solos at Lancaster Baptist Church. They don't want me in the choir, even though I take up one and a half spaces. I mean, it would drive, my voice drives rats from a sinking ship. You know, I just, I'm searching for my note. I just go along with whoever's near me, you know, even if it's soprano. That's a problem. I know I can't do that. And maybe there's some things you know you can't do. I can't play the piano. Brother Keeley is actually very good at construction. I remember him helping me in a house. I had did some drywall in a garage. I remember, that's been a long time ago. And on Heaton. He knows how to do that. I don't know how to do that. He knows how to do it. But you know what I do know this morning? I know that everybody can be used by God. The woman God chose, she was poverty stricken. You've got the notes right there, poverty stricken. She was poor as Job's turkey. You talk about poor. We're talking poor. She had one handful of meal. Now, how many of you use Bisquick in your house to make pancakes or waffles? Do you use Bisquick besides me? Or you make it from scratch? We got Bisquick. With Bisquick, man, we start at least with a cup. Make a cup of pancakes. A handful? Even big hands like mine? A little oil to make one cake for she and, he, and her son to eat, and then they're going to die. She had poverty-stricken letter B. She had burden in her heart. How would you feel if you were taking care of your child? It was going to be his last meal. She said, we're going to eat this and we're going to die. Wow. You talk about a bummer. You talk about discouragement. So she had poverty. She had a burden. She obviously had a boy in her hands. She had her son. She's responsible. Parents love their children. And until you have a child, you'll never understand the love a parent has for a child. You'll never understand it. It just, there's something special there. They'll always be special. They're bone of your bone. They're flesh of your flesh, the Bible says. Right? There's always a special bond there. And they can be far away. You might be FaceTiming, but there's a special tie there. They might not be doing right, but there's still a special tie there. Right? And you have a special feeling in your heart. If something good happens to them, you're happy about that. Her oldest daughter works at a camp in North Carolina, and she hadn't gotten a raise in nine years. She does all the music for them at the camp, and she works real hard. She's foster mom, and she is, you know, goes to the jails every week, does all these different things. And finally, they gave her a good raise. Man, I'm happy for her. It didn't affect me, but it makes, makes my daughter a little situation a little easier. Right? Happy for her. No insurance or anything, but I'm happy for her. She's my child. And finally, there's barrenness in her home. There's nothing to draw on. Barrenness in her home. Oh, my. She didn't have much going for her. I teach a Sunday school class at 8.30 every Sunday morning, and my class is 60 and over. We have anywhere from 85 to 90, depending on the Sunday, who, you know, 85 to 100 that'll come to our class unless it's a big day. I've got some widows in there. Can I tell you this, my friend? If I needed $10, I wouldn't go ask a widow. Especially a poor widow. A really poor widow. A widow down to her last meal. By the way, she wasn't even an Israelite. Think about that for a little while. The Bible says right there in the passage, you know, he says, I'm sending you somewhere. Where am I sending you? Interesting. To Zarephath, part of the country of Zidon. It wasn't Bethlehem or Nazareth or Jerusalem. But God used her. And God can use you. 
Now, we like to make excuses. I haven't been to Bible college. My parents weren't Christians. I've only been saved for a year or two. God used her, and God can use you. I believe God wants to use this church in a great way. Yeah, it was a great foundation. Uh, people have been here. They've been faithful. They've sacrificed. You've seen some good things happen in the last three or four years. Church has roughly doubled in size. Praise God. But God wants to use this church even more. I really believe that. The next time you feel God can't use you, can I give you a few illustrations? God used Noah and he got drunk. God used Isaac and he was a daydreamer. God used Jacob, he was a liar and a cheat. God used Leah and she was ugly. God used Joseph, he was an abused brother. His brothers wanted to kill him and they sold him to slavery. Unbelievable. Became the number two man in the kingdom, second only to Pharaoh. God used Moses. He had a stuttering problem. He led three million Israelites out of Egypt. God used Gideon. He was fearful. He threshed wheat in a wine press. I think it's a little humor in the Bible. The angel found him and said, Oh, thou mighty man of valor. Really? Mighty man of valor? God used Samson. He had long hair and was a womanizer. And yet more times about Samson than any other man, it was said the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. God used Rahab. She was a prostitute. And by the way, when you think God can't use you, think about the genealogy of Christ. Rahab, a harlot. Tamar, a harlot. Bathsheba, an adulterer. God can use them. God can use you. God can use you. David had an affair, was a murderer. Elijah was suicidal. Jonah disobeyed and ran from God. God said, go this way. He went the opposite way. Got in a ship and sailed. Amazing. God told him to go to Nineveh. Naomi, ladies, was a widow. Job, he was bankrupt. God used him and blessed him. God used John the Baptist. He ate bugs. Ate locusts. What in the world? And wild honey. How about Peter? He denied Christ. He said, I know not the man. He cursed and swore, saying, I didn't know Christ. Oh, later after that, he preached a sermon at Pentecost where 3,000 people got saved. That's an encouragement, ladies and gentlemen, because I've blown it too. But God used him. God blessed the disciples. They fell asleep while praying with Jesus. I think about, I'm going to pray with Jesus. I'm going to stay awake. Hello, Captain Obvious, right? Not them. Nap time. God used a Samaritan woman who was divorced many times. He used her anyway. She brought the whole town out to tell them about the man who told me all things about me. And people got saved. Maybe your small stature. God used we Zacchaeus. Maybe you come from a really religious background. Paul the Apostle Paul was too religious, a Pharisee, a Sadducee of the Sadducees, Pharisee of the Pharisees. Trained at the feet of Gamaliel. Became the greatest Christian in the New Testament era. He said, well, I'm kind of sickly. Timothy, the first pastor of the Church of Jerusalem, had an ulcer. He had stomach problems. And one person told me that I can't eat donuts. It makes my stomach hurt. I told him, it makes my stomach feel good. Right? Timothy had an ulcer. And finally, listen to this. God used Lazarus, and he was dead. My friends, God can use you. So we see, first of all, the woman God chose. Secondly, we see the work that God commanded. The work that God commanded. Roman number two. And she said, as the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil. And behold, I'm gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. I don't know about you, but this seems kind of calloused. 
And Brother Keeley told me, man, we're just starving because I've got one little meal for Joy and I, and that's all I've got to eat. Number one, I tried to go out and get some food for him. But I sure wouldn't ask for that meal before him. Why would the prophet do that? Because he realized if we put God first, God will take care of everything else. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Seek him first. Put him first. Colossians 1, that in all things he might have the preeminence. I did grow up in a Christian home. My dad didn't get saved until he was in his 20s. In fact, he feels till the time he was 20, he had not been in church more than two times his entire life. They didn't go on Christmas and Easter's. My grandfather was agnostic. He was an immigrant from Denmark. He was a hard worker. He had several patents in the machine era, and uh, he started his own machine shop to create the things he had patents on. The machine shop ran six days a week, 20 hours a day. Two 10-hour shifts back in the day. Well, he supervised those shifts. So Sunday was his off day. My dad got saved. By the way, you know how he got saved? Because somebody one day cared enough to reach in his pocket and take out a gospel tract and tell him the good news of salvation. An unsaved, partying, rich kid, engineer student at Long Beach State University, he got saved. Less than a year later, he went off to Bible college. My grandfather said, you go, don't come back. Because he was sure my dad was going to take over the business. You know what? Sometimes we need to obey God rather than man. My dad went off to college, was student body president of Bob Jones University. And within three and a half years of being saved, he was teaching Bible and Greek at Bob Jones University. Because somebody cared enough to give him a track. By the way, this track's out here probably in the lobby, aren't they, Pastor? Can I tell you a little secret? They will do no good left in the church. they got to go out in the mission field. The seed can't stay in the barn. It needs to be sowed. Because when it's sowed, it brings forth fruit. I encourage everybody to take five tracks today. You know what would happen at Bible Baptist Church if everybody here would just invite five people a week to church? There'd be visitors. And I know your pastor, he preaches the gospel. I know people that get saved. You can serve God. You can serve God. You can serve God. By the way, it's not just a choice, it's a command. God's word says, I have commanded you and ordained you that you should bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. Wouldn't it be great if somebody invited to church, come hear the preacher preach, they get saved, they start coming to church? How great would that be? You would share that fruit with the pastor. You helped invite him. By the way, if you bring them, I promise you, Pastor or Kenny or Chris are going to follow up on them. But the best way to get someone to come to church is for a friend to invite a friend. The best way to go. So, the work God commanded. Elijah was representing God who wants us to put him first. Letter A, he asked for poverty. He asked for what she had. Now, isn't it interesting he didn't ask her for more than she had. He didn't say, I'd like you to cook me a steak. Or in that day and time, it would probably be lamb. How many of you like lamb? I eat it like once or twice a year. It's kind of expensive. I like it. I like lamb. Maybe a little mint jelly on it. Oh, man, so that's good stuff. Cooked about medium so it's tender and juicy. Woo! Happy thoughts. Just getting you ready for lunch, okay? He didn't say, could you fix me some lamb chops? She didn't have any. God will not ask us for more than we have. God's never asked me to get up in choir and sing. I don't have that gift. But he has asked all of us to let your light so shine. Paul said you're ambassadors for Christ. So we see here that he asked for what she had, a little cake first. In the book of Mark, in chapter 14, verse number 8, there's a very interesting verse. It says about a lady, it says, she had done what she could. That has pricked my heart many a time. Are you doing what you can do? Will you do this next week what you can do for the Lord, for Bible Baptist Church? You're not full-time. God's not asking you to go out there 40 hours a week. But should we talk to our neighbors, our barber, 
at the grocery store, at the gas station. Will we do that? I believe it would honor God. Letter B, he asked for priority. He asked for priority. He said, make it for me first. He asked for priority. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. It's amazing how we put what we want in first place. Some people, it's golf. I was preaching a couple's retreat in Moreno Valley. You know the church. It doesn't exist there anymore. Did nine, nine in a row for them. At one time, it was one of the four biggest churches in California. And I kept going year after year. They had big couple's retreats. We were at Palm Desert, Lake Arrowhead, different places. I don't remember. I know I remember those two places specifically. One day, pastor, who had led this man's wife to the Lord, who had named the church, who had baptized the pastor of a swimming pool because he hadn't been scripturally baptized. He said, how do you think the church is doing? I said, not good. And I wasn't even there on a Sunday. It was a couple of retreats, like Thursday, Friday, Saturday morning. He said, why would you say that? I said, the pastor is going golfing four times a week. He was a member, two, he was in Riverside, Marina Valley. He was driving at Palm Desert. He was a member of two country clubs. He had a golf cart at both places. Now, if you got a 45-minute drive each way, three and a half, four hours for golf, 45-minute drive back, that's a big chunk of the day, right? Wait a minute. He's a pastor. If a pastor can play golf on his off day, that's great. But four days a week, can I say this? He's not a pastor anymore. He got his priorities mixed up. Let's make sure our priorities are what God would have them to be. What does he want? If you ever go to Berlin, Germany, they have a giant national art gallery in the capital city of Berlin. Yeah, it is, it's quite a thing. Berlin is located in what is the old Easter block, and there used to be the wall. Of course, thank you, Mr. Reagan, the wall came down, and now Germany's reunited. But that was their Smithsonian, if you will. It was a capital. If you go there, there is a giant painting there. It's about, it's a little bit wider and not quite as deep as that screen. I'm talking a big painting. It was painted by a painter by the name of Adolf Menzel. You say Adolf? Yeah, like Adolf Hitler. They don't use that name much in Germany anymore. It's got a bad connotation, which is a great lesson. A good name is rather be chosen great riches. But the key leaders, we some people say, this man's, he says, good man, he's faithful. Told me another, he said, this guy goes soul winning almost every time. That's a good name. But Adolf Menzel lived before Hitler. He was born in 1815. He died in 1905. He was Germany's greatest painter. And one day they said to him, he said, we want you to paint your greatest painting. We want to hang it in the National Art Gallery. And he thought about it. He said, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to paint a painting of Frederick the Great. He led Germany, unified Germany, and it was called the Second Reich, or the Second Reign. Adolf Hitler was going to have the Third Reich. His Third Reich only lasted 13 years. Frederick the Great lasted a lot longer. They said, that's a great idea. Let's have this giant picture of Frederick the Great. That would be really, really cool. And he got the canvas stretched out. He decided what he wanted to paint. He started with the foreground, the grass, the plants, the bushes. They played at the top of the picture, the sky, the clouds. Then he started from the outside coming in. It had a lot of people in the picture. It was a big picture. It had horsemen. It had dogs. It had officers. It had soldiers. He got closer and closer and closer and closer until he was down to the final figure, Frederick the Great. Everything else was done. He died. If you go to Berlin and see that today, the picture's there. But the person about who the picture was supposed to be all about is not there. Ladies and gentlemen, our life is to be about the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's not get to the end of our life and say, I never did anything for him. I've never given anything to him. You say, what are we talking about, giving? Oh, we ought to be tithers and give an offering. That's in the Bible. Malachi says, you rob God. They say, where do we rob thee? Tithes and offerings. It's God's plan. But not just your tithe, but also your talent. Some of you need to get, get up here. 
So you may be used to sing specials, your tithes, your talent. And here's the third one, your time. Your time. There's 172 hours in a week. Even county church services and devotions and everything. Do we tithe God? Take out the sleeping hours. Let's say we sleep eight hours a night. Eight times seven, 56. Take 56 off 172. Now we're down to 116. Do we tithe God on 116, our waking hours? You have 11 hours a week, so you got two hours in the morning, and Sunday night church another hour, Wednesday another hour, it's four. Read your Bible half an hour a day, it's another three and a half, seven and a half. How about that other four hours maybe to serve God, to witness, to go visit people, to increase, I don't know who to witness, talk to Joy, she'll tell you who to witness, I'm serious. She'll tell you who to go visit in the hospital, a care facility, or someone who's sick or who's a widow. Why would we do that? True religion and undefiled is helping the fatherless and the widow and keeping oneself unspotted from the world. How are we going to be an encouragement there? My dad is very elderly. He's 89 years of age. He's not in good health. He can't drive. He doesn't even go to church anymore. You know what I try to do? I try to go see him once a week when I'm in town. It's 80 miles each way. He said, why would you do that? I still love my dad. And I don't want him to die and me have regrets. I write him every week. I call him every week. Let's not die and go before Jesus Christ and have regrets. Oh, I wish I would have served him more. I wish I had done more. It's something we need to think about. So he asked for priority. Then he gave his promise. He said, if, I, if you'll do what I ask you to do, you'll have the supplies you need. That's a great promise. My God shall supply all your needs. All your needs. He gave his promise. He said, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail. It's not going to run out. I think Brother Keeley preached a message about some oil not running out. He get great illustration. They brought the buckets up here in the front. Friends, can I tell you a little secret in life? You can't outgive God. We are told, give it and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, overflowing, shall men heap in your bosom. I believe the house we have right now, my wife and I live in, is beyond what we ever dreamed. Now, I will tell you, it was foreclosed on, foreclosed on, sold in the county courthouse steps. Right? But the house sold for almost $700,000 back in 2006. It sold in the county courthouse steps for $179,000. God gave it to us. I believe because we were faithful in our tithing and then giving above the tithe. Because you can't outgive God. You can't outgive God. We give a lot of time to the ministry, but you can't outgive God. Give it, it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, overflowing. One of the greatest missionaries of all time was a man by the name of Hudson Taylor. Probably one of my top 10 books in my life is a book called Hudson Taylor's Spiritual Secret. Why did God bless this man? He was a missionary to Burma. Why did God use this man so much? This is in his journals. Listen to what Hudson Taylor said. Our Heavenly Father is a very experienced one. He knows very well that his children wake up with a good appetite every morning. He sustained three million Israelites in the wilderness for 40 years. We do not expect that he will send three million missionaries to China, but if he did, he would have ample means to sustain them all. He said, depend on it. Listen now. God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. So I don't know if I can make it on 90% of my income if I tithe. Oh, my friend, I'd much rather get by 90% with God's blessing than 100% without his blessing. That's, that's an easy one for me. That's an easy one. I tithe the day, day I get paid or the day before. I do it electronically because I'm gone 110 days a year. It's the first thing I pay because I did not want to rob God. And I fly a lot, 40,000, 50,000 miles a year. I don't want a plane to go down and be behind a week on my tithe. I'm serious about that. I'm serious. Number three, we see the wonder that God performed. The wonder that God performed. Roman number three. One statement here. 
God honored, I love this, obedience with abundance. God honored obedience with abundance. She gave up a little, she got back a lot. That's pretty obvious, isn't it? And that's how it works in the Christian life. God honored obedience with abundance. They did eat many days. You don't eat many days on one little handful meal. Many days. And the barrel meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. Letter A, we see the simplicity of obedience. How simple is it? She went and did. She went and did. I'm going to see the Keeley grandchildren today. I'm going to be carefully judging them to see how they obey. No, they're really little. I'm not going to do that. And have you ever seen someone who had a well-trained dog? We kind of marvel at that. We go, wow, that's impressive. I heard a story a number of years ago. A pastor by the name of Archibald Rutledge, who was a pastor in England back in the 1800s, wrote this story. He said this. He said, I had a man in my church who literally was a woodcutter. He cut wood for fires or wood to build buildings. And every day he would leave home be early in the morning as they'd start work back then at six or seven. He'd have coat on. He'd have his lunch and a little packet. And his faithful dog would always go with him. He'd pack some food for the dog. They'd walk out deep into the forest where the wood was that he'd want to cut down. Once he got out there, he'd take off his coat, pick up his axe. He'd usually take the coat and cover his lunch and tell the dog, guard this. The dog would never get in the lunch, never eat it. He'd stay there faithfully by that lunch till the master came back at lunchtime. He was just a good dog. But one day, something horrible happened. Somehow a fire started in the forest. The wind was blowing, and you may have heard some of the fires in California. A lot of times the winds that come in just fan those, those, those flames. It's a horrible thing, very hard to stop. And the winds were blowing, and the wind began to blow through that forest. That woodcutter realized that they were going right towards where his lunch was, his coat was, and his dog was. He began to whistle for his dog. He began to call his dog, but the crackling of the flames, the roar of the wind, he knew the dog couldn't help him. He told Archibald Rutledge, his pastor, with tears running down his face, he said, Pastor, I can't do a good English accent. He said, I knew what I would find. For when the fire burned through there, he went back to that spot. And there was his dog right where he told him to stay, laying over on top of the lunch of the jacket. Burned to death. He was faithful unto death. He said, I had to be careful what I told him because he always obeyed me. Can I ask you today, friend, do you obey our Heavenly Father? He tells you, go talk to that neighbor. At least talk to the people on your street. I mean, someday they're going to stand before God, and I think God's going to have to wipe away tears because I believe we're going to have neighbors look at us and they're going to say, why didn't you tell me? Well, I came by once. I came by and you weren't there. I left a track in the door. You knew about hell and you didn't tell me about this? I've had to ask God to forgive me. For many years, I would fly all around the country and around the world. And I thought that my time on planes was my own time. It wasn't my soul only time. I talk all the time. I talk all day long. I didn't have to talk to anybody. I'd bring a book. I'd take a nap. I'd ask for the, uh, the uh, window seat so I didn't have to get up and down. Use the restroom to eat before I got on. Take a nap and read. It was great. And then I realized that for some of those people, I might have been the best chance they ever had to accept Jesus as their Savior. I've asked God to forgive me. And since then, when I sit by someone that I don't know, I try to witness to them. You say, have a lot of people gotten saved? No. But a few have. A few have. <laughs> I was flying, I remember this, from Chicago to Minneapolis for some reason a couple years ago when I was living in Lancaster. Flying with Tim Christensen. And uh, we were flying there and I had, we had the worst seats on the plane. If you fly a lot, you'll understand this. It's the row right against the bathrooms. The seats don't recline, and people are going into the bathroom nonstop. You can't sleep. And you can't recline. It's horrible. And I had a middle seat. 
You may not be able to notice it, but I'm a little bit larger than most people. I weighed 11 pounds, 6 ounces when I was born. Okay. So I'm there, and the guy next to me made me look like I was Twiggy. He had to get two extender seatbelts. Praise the Lord, we're not there yet. Amen? That's where they had extra seatbelts on that gives you about this much more. He had two of them on. And he was pressing against me and overflowing into the aisle. And I don't like touching people I don't know. Okay? I remember I was trying to read. I was holding my book out like this, like Tyrannosaurus Rex. And the girl on the left of me, I remember during the takeoff, she had a rosary out. She was flipping those beads. Whoa! She was flipping those beads. Once we got up in there, she took out her laptop and she was watching a movie about some kind of zombies that were eating people's hearts. And I probably shouldn't have said this. You know where I got this phrase. I looked down, I said, not good. I came pow, you know. I said, not good. Well, the Lord spoke to my heart. I said, I need to witness these people. I started the big guy on my right, and I'm talking to the big guy. I, I think his shirt had to be like a 5X. I witnessed it. He was saved, praise the Lord. Then I turned to that lady on my left. I remember doing that rosary during takeoff. I broke the ice, so I said, do you ever think about crashing? She said, why would you say that? I said, what happens sometimes? Then I told her it's safer to fly than drive, blah, blah, blah. But after about 30 minutes, I reached up the overhead, got out my Schofield Bible, I took her through the Romans Road, and she accepted Christ as her Savior. I'm so glad I talked to her, referred her to a church. That's what God wants us to do. My friends, I close today by saying this, God can use you. Now, just maybe there's someone here today, maybe it's your first time, or maybe you've been coming a few times, you say, but I don't even know for sure I'm a Christian. God cannot use you until first you become part of his family. The Bible says, I, I don't fully understand this, but the Bible says it, so I believe, it says the plowing of the wicked is sin. The unsaved person could do nothing to please God. Nothing. Nothing. So if you want to start serving God and pleasing Him, the first thing you need today is to come to know Him. We'll have somebody called an invitation. We will invite you to come. And Brother Keeley will direct a man to a man, a lady to a lady. And in just a few minutes, you can know for sure you're on your way to heaven. The, the Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written that ye may know you have eternal life. Isn't it great? You can know. I know that Susan's been my wife for 37 plus years. I know where I live. 43931 40th Street East, Lancaster Boulevard. Uh, in Lancaster, California. I know that. I know my children, Amy, Elise, and Mark. I know that. You know, I'm really glad I know I'm saved. Because none of us know how long we're going to have. I'm 61. My mom died at 59 of breast cancer. Kissed one man her entire life, never smoked, never drank, never did drugs. A pastor's wife, had seven kids, kids still at home. God chose to take her home. I don't understand why. So we don't know how long we're going to have. The Bible says it is appointed unto man once to die, but after this the judgment. It's coming. It's coming. So if we're not saved, there's a great white throne of judgment where people are cast into hell. For the Christians... It's called the judgment seat of Christ, where we give an account for the things that we've done. How well we serve God. Have we been a soul winner? Have we been faithful? Have we looked for his appearing? By the way, there's crowns for all three of those things. Soul winner, faithful, look for his appearing. And it's those crowns that we can lay at the feet of Jesus Christ. So let me remind you again today, you can serve God. God wants to use you. Let's pray this morning. Lord, I thank you for the attentiveness of this wonderful church here at Bible Baptist. I thank you for the pastor and his wife that you brought them here to lead them. And Lord, I do pray that the greatest days will be yet in front of it. And Lord, I know that much of that is dependent upon the church members doing what you've called them to do, which is to serve you. I can't imagine what would happen if everyone here invited five people next week be the greatest Sunday the church has had in many a year. With their heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to ask, first of all, how many here today would say, Dr. Rasmussen, I do know for sure that I'm on my way to heaven. I'm sure about that. Would you raise your hand in testimony? 
You know that for sure. Yeah, great sea of hands. Not everyone, but thank you. I wonder, are there a few here today who say, I'm not positive, but I would like to know for sure how to go to heaven. Would you pray for me? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to walk down and come to you, but I want to pray for you. Say, I'm not sure I'm on my way to heaven. Would you please pray for me today? Would you raise your hand if you feel that way this morning? Anyone like that at all? Anybody like that? God loves you, and he will save you if you don't know him. Secondly, this morning, let me say this. How many here would say, Dr. Rasmussen, with God's help, I want to be used by God more. Now you're faithful in church. You may be giving to church. That's great. That's a good start. You say, with God's help, I want to be used by God more. If you'd say that this morning, would you raise your hand? Man, many, many, many hands raised. That's wonderful to see. That's my prayer for this morning, that more people will be used by God. In just a moment, we're going to stand with heads bowed and eyes closed, and maybe you'd like to come down and talk to the Lord about whatever it is He talked to you about. If you raised your hand, I'd encourage you to come just spend a moment at the altar and pray. And ask God to work in you and through you. Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do His good pleasure. God wants to work in us to give us the desire and the ability to do what he wants us to do. I would challenge you if you raise your hand and come talk to him for just a minute or two. Lord, I pray you bless during this invitation time. I pray you speak to hearts. Please work, Lord. I ask you to do that. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet if you would, please. We'll all stand as the piano quietly plays. Maybe if you raised your hand, you'd like to come talk to the Lord. You don't need to talk to me or even the pastor. He's here at the front if you need to talk to him. Why don't you use the altar and say, Lord, I want you to use me. Wonderful. God wants to use you, friend. Good to see several men that say, I want God to use me. Ladies, God can use you as well. Use this little widow woman in Zarephath. He wants to bless you. He wants to use you. He has a plan for your life. What a wonderful thing.